Hello and welcome to the second ever episode of Balls and Whistles, a Highland news and media podcast looking at everything that's been going on in the world of sport in the Highlands this week. If this isn't our first episode last week, welcome back. If this is your first time, welcome to the show. As always, I'm Andrew Henderson, joined by sports editor Will Clark. Will, how are you doing? It's not my first time, Hendo. (laughs) I thought I got off to a good start last week. One or two microphone issues uh, from my head. I hope I'm coming through loud and clear today. Yeah, you seem to be. It certainly hasn't been as dramatic a week this time around as it was last time, was it? Well, not in the sporting world. It's been dramatic for me, MOT-wise, but let's not go into that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll stick to sport for now. There is a Cali Thistle game to preview this weekend, we hope. As far as we know, there's going to be any issue with that. Um, there's been some developments in athletics. There's been exciting news for one Highlander in rugby. But I think, well, we've got to start with Ross County. It was a phenomenal win for them last weekend. You were there. You said on the show last week, if they can beat Hibs, they can beat Aberdeen. But surely can't have been expecting that sort of performance. And after me saying if they finished 11th in the regular campaign, they'd be doing well. Um, no, they've ripped Aberdeen apart, to be honest. Um, the first 20 minutes, I couldn't believe what I was saying. Uh, 35 seconds, it took all these shows to break the deadlock. It was, it was a fantastic start. Um, Ian Vigers find Jermaine Hilton in the box, and then he crossed to find Shaw and just struck the sweetest of low drives. I spoke superlatives about Harry Payton um, before the game, and uh, he was outstanding uh, against Aberdeen on Saturday. Set up uh, Charlie Larkin for the second goal. Larkin may be a bit fortunate with his scuff shot at beat Joe Lewis, but hey, they all count. Um, but as well as saying how well Ross County attacked, got to give credit to goalkeeper Ross Laidlaw mm. because after Aberdeen went 2-0 down, they responded strongly and Laidlaw had to pull off some fantastic saves to keep the game goalless. He couldn't do it before half-time because there was an unfortunate deflection of uh, Alex Echeviti. Um And there was a feeling in the press box that Aberdeen might come out strongly in the second half. But amazingly, it just didn't come. As well as the first half was really exciting football, the second half was a bit of a drab affair. Before uh, Ollie Shaw scored his third, um, Aberdeen didn't have any chances at all. I could only remember Ollie Shaw having one, which just went inches above the post. But you know what? Fair play to Ross County. I don't know what it is. They've beaten Hibernian, they've beaten Aberdeen. Could they beat Rangers this weekend? I would be really surprised if they did. <laughs> but I'm delighted for them. Um, because what last weekend has done, it's given them hope. I mean, I was been really pessimistic about how Ross County have been this season. Even when they've won, it's been by one goal. But they really took the game by the scruff of the neck on Saturday. And it was so pleasing to see. And now they're 10th just now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Motherwell and Hamilton have games in hand. But... Um, Whatever John Hughes is doing, it seems to be working. Will it work against Rangers on Saturday? I'm not too sure about that. But after that, is it Motherwell and Hamilton they've got next? I think so. It's a couple of big games coming up for them. Most of the two games they need to target. If they target those two games um, with six points, who knows? Relegation might not be so much of an issue now. Um, and the way could be clear for them to you know, have a comfortable second half of the season. 
I'm glad you mentioned the defence, though, against Aberdeen, because that, I think, for me, was actually the most impressive part of it. So much was made of them scoring four goals and, and how bad Aberdeen were defensively at times in that game. But so often for County over the last couple of years, we've seen that once they concede one, they, they can't stop the flood of goals coming at that point. And that's it. It's basically game over. As you say, once it went to one at half time, that could very easily have gone against County, but they stuck at it. They were pretty solid, as you say, in the second half. And that's going to bode really, really well for them for the rest of the season as they do try and battle relegation. I mean, you mentioned it there. They're 10th and there's something like five, six points between the entire bottom half. It's it's crazy close. They could be six points adrift at the bottom of the table in a couple of weeks' time, or they could be seventh. We really don't know what's going to happen. But you've also mentioned it this weekend, Rangers... It's going to be a massive test for them. Rangers maybe haven't been at their best the last couple of games, but you can't argue with the form they've been in so far. I think uh, John Hughes was saying in the pressers this week, they've only conceded one goal at home this season. Yeah, they've been a bit of a juggernaut, haven't they? Um, I'm amazed about how Rangers, how they've performed this season. I After the whole liquidation and being demoted to League Two it is now, I think it was still the third division when it happened, I never. I always thought they might get back to the Premiership, but I never thought they'd reach this kind of level. Mm. You know, Ryan Kent, Alfredo Morales, Ryan Jack, Trevenny—they're um, just playing really good football, and they deserve to be champions. You might as well give them the title now. Um, not sure what Neil Lennon might say about that. Although he did admit himself that the league is probably beyond them now. Question is, being so far in front. Will Stevie Gerrard opt for a squad rotation system within the next few weeks? You know, they've got games to play with. Um, I'll be interested to see what kind of team he puts out on Saturday. But whatever team he puts out, I think uh, John Hughes said in a press conference this week, even their reserves would probably get into most first teams in the Premiership. Absolutely. And you know what? Let's just hear a little bit of what John Hughes had to say, because... He knows it's going to be a tough battle, but he was also quite confident in his side's ability to potentially cause an upset. First and foremost, we're under no illusions how difficult it's going to be. Rangers are out of sight at this moment in time. They play the football. I love to see nothing much changes in terms of their shape. They don't concede goals. They score goals. They've got some real top-class players in there. So we know what we're up against, but it's a great challenge. It has to inspire you. It has to, as a footballer, inspire you. When you walk on that kind of stage, you've got the freedom to go and express yourself. We'll have to be solid and, you know, um, a good shape. But we'll have to have a go at them. That's what I intend to do. I've always enjoyed playing old for them. I, I think that you've got nothing to lose. Really always enjoyed and I always enjoy going to Parkhead and Ibrox. Because as a coach and a manager, it really tests you. You know, it really stretches you in terms of your, your preparation and your tactics. Uh, but I, it's my job to help my team, help them individually and help the team to give them the best opportunity possible to go and try and cause an upset. And it will be an upset because Rangers, there's no getting away from it. The Rangers, every one of their better players than we've got, every one of their players or their substitutes, we probably got a game at Ross County. Uh, that's how far in front they are. It has to, it has to excite you, doesn't it? Going in there as a massive underdog with nothing to lose. Absolutely nothing to lose. And that's what I'll be saying to the players. So hopefully we can go there and play with a freedom 
of letting Rangers know they've been in a game. Certainly, it doesn't sound like they're just going to try and shut up shop, does it? <laughs> no, the one thing about John Hughes, he's certainly an enthusiastic guy. Um, and I think he kind of inspires the players to, you know, try and have a go, which was evident against Aberdeen last Saturday. As good a team as Aberdeen is and as oppressive as the result was, Rangers is a whole new level. You know, teams in Europe can't beat Rangers at the moment, albeit at Europa League level. Um, still a good level, though. Yeah, still a very good level. I don't know how they do against like Bayern Munich or Real Madrid, but well, it, it's a free go for Ross County. You know, they're not going to be judged by the result this weekend. So why not have a go? And you never know. You, they might pull off a shock result. They might get a 3 or 4 nil doing. But have a go, see what happens. I mean, I love that attitude. It's just, just great from a neutral point of view for a team to say, you know what, we're going up against far and away right now the best team in the country. We're going to go and have a go and see what we can do to hurt them. The question just is, whether it will work or not, can you go and score? You're probably going to need two or three to beat Rangers at Ibrox. And nobody's done that. Nobody's come close to doing that this season. We talked last week a bit about county struggles in front of goal so far this season. Ollie Shaw, two goals last week. You know, he could be the man to fire county to safety. And he was unlucky he didn't get a hat trick last week as well. Um, yeah, I think he had one or two other great chances to score. But I did say last week Ross County's problems were in the final third and is their answer a new striker? Maybe all the show was listening to the podcast, I don't know, but he certainly stepped up to the plate um, when he was presented with the chances he took them. It, for now, you can only see Ross County playing one up front and as far as I'm concerned, the jersey's his to lose at the moment, even for Ross Stewart's out and Billy Mackay's on the bench. But all he saw really impressed me last week, so... Long may it continue. Well, Hughes wants to have options, and you mentioned Ross Stewart there. He is going to play some part this weekend against Rangers. Don't know if that's going to be from the start or coming off the bench. And on top of that as well, Hughes is looking for another new striker to come in, regardless of whether Ross Stewart leaves or whether he stays until the end of the season. Um, So Mm. in theory, they're not going to be lacking firepower. It's just whether they can actually find the net. And you can only imagine them playing one up front. Yeah, against Rangers, but I, I don't know... Come those games against St Mirren, depending on what form they're in, because they also went in a really good run before Christmas, or Hamilton or Motherwell right now, they might fancy their chances and go for it. I mean, if they're attacking the likes of Aberdeen, Hibs, and apparently Rangers, that, that remains to be seen. Who says they won't try and go for a 4-3-3 rather than a 4-5-1 against some of the teams in the bottom half? You never know. I'm trying to get, I think it was a 4-1-4-1 they played against Aberdeen last uh, weekend. And I can't imagine them changing it at all. Um, Regan Charles Cook, I mentioned him uh, last week, how impressive he was, Mm -hmm. I thought anyway. And he proved to be a real danger again. Um, Only thing with him is lack of fitness. He was taken off after 65 minutes, but when he was on the pitch, um, he was causing real problems in the wing. Um, Jermaine Hilton had a great game as well. Got a goal to match his performance, uh, caught the Aberdeen defence unawares on the counter-attack. Um, and that's the kind of alertness you need um, to try and survive in the top flight. But I am a, a lot more confident about Ross County after watching that. It could be a one-hit wonder, you never know, but it certainly is encouraging to see. Hilton, though, is just one of those guys that seems to really be thriving under Hughes. He started four of Hughes' five games in charge after spending most of his time on the bench 
before Hughes took over, since he signed from Motherwell, it just goes to show the impact that the new manager has had. And you say it might be a one-off, but they've already beaten Hibs. They've already beaten Aberdeen. They beat Celtic before Hughes was there. So quality is not an issue in this county team. I asked you last week, will they stay up? I think we could be a lot more positive about that question right now, can't we? Sure. I mean, I only saw Hamilton Academical finishing below Ross County if Ross County weren't going to finish bottom. Um, when you asked me the, the question, would Ross County be the team that finished in 11th? I said, I hope so. Hmm. Not in the fact that I hope they finished in the relegation playoff zone, but I thought that would be a success for them, sure. just the way the season was going. Um, just to clear up any misunderstanding, I, <laughs> I do like the Staggies. <laughs> But seeing that, what they're capable of, and it's, they've always had that potential, but that, for me, apart from League Cup games against lower league opposition, was the first time they've actually realised that potential. Sure. Uh, and fair play to he's for getting that out of them. Well, you don't want to be misunderstood, but I'll, I'll move on a little bit here. And somebody else that was misunderstood last week was Cali Thistle manager John Robertson. We talked about him saying the SFA and the SPFL were prioritising TV money over player welfare. Ian Maxwell seems to take that a step further and think he was calling for the league to stop. Um, there's a vote apparently put out to championship clubs, which we haven't really heard anything more about this week. But what we do know is they're going to be hosting Aloha Athletic tomorrow. They haven't played since the 29th of December, and they hadn't played for about a week before that as well. Are Cali Thistle just going to be rusty? Well, I spoke to Brad McKay this week and he says they won't be, thankfully. Um, <laughs> but it, it, I guess it will have some sort of impact. Was it four of the last five games have been postponed? Is that right? Yeah, it's four Saturdays in a row their games have been called off. I think the, the only game they've played in between then was the 1-1 draw with Dunfermline Athletic. Yeah, just after Christmas. <laughs> I hope it won't have too much of an impact on them. I mean, at the end of the day, they are still training. They're full-time athletes, so hopefully they'll be prepared for such occasions. It was a bit of a leading question because, you know, I, I was chatting to Dan McKay earlier on and he said the exact same thing as Brad. If anything, it's just fuel and motivation that they're desperate to go and play and perform when they do get on the pitch. And Robertson said the same sort of thing himself. So they certainly don't see it as an issue. Um, we just have to hope that with so many games coming up, there's five games in the next 22 days for Cali Thistle with all these postponements being finally put back into the calendar. It is going to be a big ask for them, but they seem ready to do it. So I suppose the question just is, can they win? <laughs> I mean, Alo has been tricky opponents for them over the last couple of years. Yeah, I don't think they beat them at all in the league last season. I think they beat them in the Scottish Cup and the League Cup and... The Challenge Cup, I think they played six times altogether they last did, season. Yeah. But they didn't beat them in the league once. I think it was one defeat and two draws. Um, and Alwa won down at Recreation Park again. Was, I can't remember if it was November or December, but just a couple of months ago. December the 19th, I think it was, the week before uh, Morton. I don't know. I've said it before. I've written about it before. What is it about Cali Fissile and part-time teams? Against the teams at the top half of the table, they perform really well. But there just seems to be a stumbling block when they face part-time teams. Okay, they beat Arbroath uh, earlier this season, 3-1, uh, in Hurricane Force wins at the Caledonian Stadium, um, which I was very lucky not to be blown away. 
<laughs> it wasn't the best of conditions, um, was it? No, it wasn't. No, no. I think uh, John Robertson actually said the game should have been abandoned at the time. But I'll speak about our broth as well as Alwa. Our, our broth were one of the best teams to watch last season, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember being at Gay Field and our broth won 3 nothing, and they played Cully Thistle off the park. I mean, it was such good football to watch. I think they actually won at the Caledonian Stadium as well. They did, yeah. One nil, was it? I'm not sure if it was the same sort of free-flowing football. It might have been yourself. It was at that game. It was. I don't remember the specifics of the match. I remember our both won. Yeah, but it's all time well. Come on, cut me some slack. It was. I remember saying at the time they were pushing for the playoffs. Yeah, they were. They really were. Um, I know they're they're struggling this season, uh, both Arbroath and Alloa. But I think uh, John Robertson has full respect for the part-time teams. He's saying that there's not much difference between full-time and part-time nowadays in terms of training. Um, Do you want to hear what he says? Yeah, look, what did he say? He said this. They're not in this league for no reason. You don't have big clubs like Partick Thistle and, and Falkirk in League One who are full-time. They're not winning all their games, you know? So that's, that's football, you know what I mean? It's, it's, you can't put anything down to anything. If, if everything went to normal, Inverness Calathiso would never have got promotion, they would never have won the cup, they'd never have been Celtic at Parkhead or Celtic here over the years. They wouldn't have caused all the cup upsets of the cost. That's football, that's the predictability or the unpredictability of it. Um, we've got to prove that we're a better side with the better players on the day. And there are there are players in the Allo team, in our road team, for example, that could quite comfortably play full time football at be at a full time club. But their personal circumstances dictate that they are better off playing part-time football and having a full-time, secure full-time job uh, boosted up by part-time football. That suits those players. And, and I'm telling you, there's at least half a dozen players in both teams that could that are more than good enough ability-wise, age-wise, mentality-wise to be full-time football players. But it doesn't suit them. As I say, part-time means nothing these days. As I, say, we, I was a manager East Fife um, part-time. And the amount of work that they do in the, in the Tuesday and Thursday train sessions you get, you're only maybe missing out on one session. So as I say, in terms of fitness these days, part-time teams, it's not the old days where part-time lads turn up for an hour, have a kick about and go home. You know, part-time teams now are efficient, they're well-run, they're well-organised, and more, most importantly of all, they've got very, very good players. And it certainly is true. You'd said of our both last season, probably could have said the same about Alwa the last couple of years as well. They're really good teams to watch. You know, the games between Cali Thistle and Alwa are always entertaining, regardless of who comes out on top. There's maybe a reputation about part-time teams when they face full-time teams that they'll kind of hold back. But anyone that's watched Alwa Athletic or Arbroath, that's certainly not the case. Um, they'll have a real good go. Um the only difference I would maybe say is fitness-wise, they might not be as strong as um, full-time teams. But in terms of actual football ability, and there's probably Aloha and Anderbroth, they've probably got ex-pro players playing for them as well. Um, but like Robertson said, they've got jobs and they find it better to juggle a football career with a working career. So, yeah, I, I agree with Robertson, you know, I can't see Alloa holding back. They will have a go. Um, I think they had that was the case uh, earlier in the season when you saw them mm-hmm. uh, when they won 2-1. I know they went 1-0 down, but and maybe they had to chase the game. But in my experience, 
they are a danger uh, on the attack, and not just on the counter-attack. I think that has to be stressed. I think you're right in that, broadly speaking, fitness can be an issue for part-time teams, but we certainly haven't seen that from our Broth or Alloa. When I saw them in December, midweek they had just faced, I think it was Hibs, in the League Cup, and that went to extra time. And it was the last half hour that they really came into their own against Cali Thistle. They got a goal, I think it was right on the hour, and that totally changed the game. There's only one team that was going to win it from there. So it's not a case that they're going to fade away the last 10, 15 minutes and you can bide your time and wait for that. Alwa are a really well-drilled, fit, good quality team that Cali Thistle are going to have to watch out for. Doing my research a little bit earlier on, I'm expecting goals from this game. Cali Thistle has scored in every game this season since the league started. It's been two months since Alwa failed to score. So we can expect something, can't we? It's, as I said, it's usually entertaining games and it's all set up for another one of the same. It's destined to be a nil-nil draw now. <laughs> well, done. well the, the reason I brought that up with Robertson was Cali Thistle have won seven, drawn four and lost four of their games against Aloha and Arbroath over the last three seasons. But they've got to believe that they can go and end that. It's not even a bad run, but just it should be better. It's one of those, isn't it? They, they should have won more of those games. Sure. Well, it goes back to what I said. Uh, when a full-time team plays a part-time team, you expect the full-time team to win. Mm. But at the same time, Alloa, how long have they been in the championship now? Is this the third season since being promoted? Yeah. You know, yeah. So full of respect for all Athletic because um, they don't get the biggest crowds, as, as we've both seen. Um, well, they won't get any crowds with a pandemic at the moment. but Nobody does. No, no, nobody does. But in a pandemic-free world, Alloa, less than a thousand, maybe less than seven fifty. So I'm full of admiration of how they've managed to survive as a championship club. But they've done that by playing good football. So Cali Thistle will have a tough task on Saturday. Just one last quick thing then on Cali Thistle. We talked a lot last week about Ross County's transfer window. Cali Thistle seem pretty happy with the squad they've got at the minute. It looks like it's going to be a quiet month for them. There may be somebody coming in to replace Kai Kennedy, but they seem pretty comfortable that if that doesn't happen, they're fine with what they have. This squad at the minute, do you think it needs improvements to get back in the playoff and promotion hunt come the end of the season? They certainly need improvements on the pitch because it has been an inconsistent start of the season. They've played nine, they've won three, they've drawn three, they've lost three. That's how math works. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but look at the actual team. You know, it's it's a really it's a strong defence. You know, you've got Devine and Dees at centre back. You've got Mackay at right back while Wallace Duffy is out. You know, Cameron Harper. You trust him to stay at full back and on the left. Mm-hmm. Maybe a new striker. What would you think about that? Everybody's looking for a striker, aren't they? Everybody's looking for that twenty twenty five goal a season striker. I mean, Miles Story in theory, he's capable of doing it. You know, he's got a good track record at Cali Thistle and this should be a pretty good level for him to be finding the net on a consistent basis. But as you say, just the whole team needs that consistency because he can't do it all on his own. He can make the runs, but somebody needs to play the ball in to find him. Um, I think with Shane Sutherland, who's been prolific for years now, in the albeit in the lower leagues, they should have plenty of confidence. James Keatings has won promotion three or four times. I always forget how many he's actually gone up from the championship. They've got plenty of quality there. 
it's it's just actually delivering that as you say on the pitch. I really like Miles' story, um, but I'm just wondering with his electric pace because it is electric and it does cause a lot of problems. Is he more suited to maybe more of an attacking midfield role, um, maybe coming in from the wing compared to maybe just being up front? Um, when you've got that kind of pace in your team, do you really want to waste it? Well, they tried playing him out wide a lot last season and he was effective, but I don't know if he was as comfortable out there. There was once or twice I talked to him and he was still learning when to pass, when to cross, when to just run out the defence. Whereas I think he's more natural as a striker. I certainly wouldn't have him as a number 10, ideally, because I think the whole reason that pace can be so effective is getting him behind the defence. So if you move him a line further back from the defence, he's just going to be running into people instead of running past them. Um, I could see the argument for him out wide and somebody like Shane Sutherland playing through the middle because Robertson has used a target man a lot in the last couple of years. But I quite like that they're going for the pace through the middle because I, I think it's a bit more exciting for everybody to watch. When you've got a player with Story's pace, um, you've got to use it, in my opinion. Um, he, he's a first-team regular as far as I'm concerned. No, I'd love to see Nikolai Todorov just replicate the form he had at the start of the season because he had a great start of the season and then it kind of just faded away. But, you know, you don't lose it. Like It's, it's in there somewhere and hopefully it comes back. I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about Todorov and Story and all these guys as the season goes on. But I, again, I just want to move on a little bit here. Last week, our sort of big story, the, the big discussion was about the Highland League, League One, League Two, most of football being suspended till at least the end of January. Will, you were kind of getting a couple of updates on that this week, I think, from the Highland League and the North Cali League with the announcement that these restrictions are going to continue into mid-February at least. Yeah, I mean, the Highland League, there's no story from the Highland League this week, unfortunately. They're going to hopefully speak about it next week and uh, decide what's going to happen because their season is suspended until the 31st of January. Um, a bit more clarity from the North Caledonian League. I spoke to the president, Ian Whitehead, who says, well, it's not official yet. It's unlikely that their season will restart on February 6th, as was planned. Uh, they're very much of the opinion public health comes first. Mm -hmm. um, and with Nicholas Sargent saying that the restrictions aren't going to be lifted until mid-February, they are envisaging end of February, start of March, before they can restart their season. But the fact is, they managed to start on October the 17th, so they don't actually have that many league games to play. Yeah. So it's not so much of an issue for them. The Highland League, at most... One team has played three games. Some some teams haven't played any. Whereas Inverness Athletic only have one game left. <laughs> In the North Caledonian League, yeah. yeah. So it's just a case of wait to see. There'll probably be more news next week. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Highland League is delayed again. I spoke earlier saying that there is, there is a danger it could be null and void. Mm -hmm. I really hope it isn't because I love the Highland League. Um, it's my bread and butter, you know. Um being a Huntley man. I remember five in a row back in the 90s and then... Back in the good old days, well. The good old days and then that's how I made my name as a sports journalist covering Wick Academy um, for so long. Too long, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then in Inverness, I get the pleasure of Clark McCudden and Nairn County, um, both great clubs. Um, I really hope it can restart, but 
if they did decide to go null and void, it wouldn't be a surprise to me. Well, we had Johnny Clark on last week talking about the whole situation and the impact for the clubs down the road in Murray as well. And I saw that our Northern Scott colleagues this week have talked to Forest Mechanics manager, Charlie Rowley. Forest obviously were the only team to pull out of the league and say they weren't going to compete at all. Uh, just a, a couple of brief highlights that I wrote down from what he said. They're not going to say that they told us so. That's not going to be a sentiment that they're putting out there. Uh, but Rowley did say that his own personal view is that it's just a waste of time to try and keep playing. It doesn't feel feasible to him at all. Whether he's going to be proven right or not, we're going to find out in the next few weeks. But I, I think I'm pretty confident saying it doesn't look optimistic right now, does it? No. Well, one thing that I know we're both pretty proud of um, is the amount of coverage we do in the papers and what we're going to do on the podcast to non-football sports. Um, so let's move on a little bit to some other topics. There's some really good news for a couple of Highland athletes in athletics this week. Mary McLennan from Kirkhill and Sean Chammers, originally from Maryborough, both Inverness Harriers, have been added to the marathon project by Scottish Athletics. Fantastic news. And um, it's a new challenge for both athletes. Um, Mary McLennan competed at the World Cross Country Championships and also on the track in the European 10,000 metres. Sean Chalmers, established 10K runner. Um, The one thing is, this is completely neat to both runners, Um, especially to Mary. I had the pleasure of speaking to her this week and she told me that competitively, she's not even run a half marathon before. Really? Okay. Never mind a marathon. Although in training, she does run a half marathon distance. Um, but being a cross-country runner in 10,000 metres, she is used to competing at long distances. But this is a completely different level altogether, running 26.2 miles yeah. in a race. But she's confident that there's parallels between the cross-country and long-distance um, events on the track. Um the one thing about the marathon project is they're aiming to get athletes up to a certain standard that they can compete at the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. And that's something that really appealed to her. Sure. Uh, it's an easy draw, isn't it? You're competing at a Commonwealth Games for Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> no big deal there. Eh? Um, but the one thing anyone's spoken to Mari or interviewed Mari, she will go full pelt at this. Um so it will be very interesting to see how she gets on because last year, um, as well as the pandemic, she was actually suffering from illness. So she's had a lot to come back from, but um, she's about back to full fitness, if not at full fitness now. So she'll be one to watch and hopefully she can realise her ambition of um, getting to the Commonwealth Games. You know, If you can manage to get to a World Cross Country Championships and uh, compete at European level at 10,000 metres, um, the ability is certainly there, but um, it's a huge step up. Yeah, I mean, I, I spoke to Sean earlier in the week and here's me thinking it was a big step up for him, but at least he has done one or two half marathons. He he actually broke the Harriers half marathon club record in his second ever half marathon last year. So he does have a little bit of a track record there. Yes, pun intended. Um, no, okay, I've... Wonder if there'd be any reaction there whatsoever. That's fine. No, I was a bit slow to it, but it was a good one. <laughs> Please explain to me a bit about how the, the project works and its support for the athletes and their coaches in terms of 
techniques and seminars, strength and conditioning, nutrition, all that sort of thing. But it's also financial, you know, it'll help cover expenses for getting to races, for other training costs, even just entering bigger and better races where they can compete against, you know, bigger and better runners. Um, it, it sounds like it's a really exciting program over the next couple of years. And from what Sean was saying, the qualifying times for the marathon at the Commonwealth weren't outrageous by any means. Mm-hmm. So even though likes of Mary and Sean haven't got a huge amount of experience over a full marathon distance, we could very well have two Highland athletes representing Scotland in the marathon in a couple of years' time. Not even a couple of years, next summer. And how good would that be? It'd be great to see two athletes from the Highlands compete at the Commonwealth Games. Um, there has been some in the past, but not that many. So it'd be great to see, especially in athletics. Yeah, I mean, we both know there's quite a lot of people involved in athletics in and around Inverness. Obviously, there's a lot of other clubs as well, but both of those two are harriers. And there's a huge number of people involved that have all been working towards this sort of success in the long run, haven't they? And the thing about uh, the athletics at the Commonwealth Games, the Commonwealth Games in general, you know, it's you know only countries from the British Empire that, or the former British Empire that compete. So there's a lot of athlete, world-class athletes that would be missing from certain events. But with the marathon, that wouldn't be a, a case. Yeah. If they both made it to Birmingham, they would be in a world-class field um, with the likes of the Kenya, Ethiopia, Eritrea. Um, so what experience it would be for both of them if they could compete at that standard because it would be a world-class event, the marathon. And what an experience it will be for Jamie Dobby, the rugby player from Inverness. It just was announced yesterday that he signed a new contract with the Glasgow Warriors, but earlier in the week he was invited to train with the Scotland Six Nations squad. He's still only 19. What what an experience this is going to be for him. I know. Um, he must be in Gregor Townsend's mind for one to watch in the future. Um, uh, as, a, as a senior Scottish player, it's just it's just fantastic to see. I, I can't think of too many players from the Highlands that have actually um, been part of the Scotland squad. I'm trying to think, Rowan Shepherd from Caithness in the 90s was maybe the last one. Uh, I know on Highlands' Facebook page, they talk about Nairn McEwen, but that was a good bit before the 90s, wasn't it? Yeah, I was, I was in the 70s and the 80s. <laughs> um, no, it's fantastic to see someone that young um, doing so well at a professional level. I know Glasgow aren't having the greatest of seasons in the Pro 14 just now um, compared to what it's been previously. But, you know, you, you look at um, the players he's playing with at the moment, you know, they're international standard players. He's only going to get better and uh, hopefully it'll help kick his career on as well. I mean, for anybody who doesn't know Jamie's story, he was born in Inverness. He played minis rugby for Highland before eventually moving down to Merkiston and was signed straight out of school by the Glasgow Warriors, which is almost unheard of. And he was their young player of the year last season. The future really looks bright for Jamie. Yeah, two years he's been at the club now. Is that right as a professional? Yeah, I mean, I remember writing a story about him signing a new contract until the summer of 2021, and now he signed another new contract. So he's already been on the books for a little while now, and he's making an impression. I mean, they obviously see him as a quality scrum half, and I'm sure there's a lot of pride in Thailand as well about how well he's done. So let's hope his career goes from strength to strength. Certainly one we're going to be keeping an eye on. But, well, I think... That pretty much brings us to the end of the show. It's, is there any other story in this week's papers that you would particularly encourage people to go and 
look at that we haven't talked about? Well, you had a great um, interview yesterday with Stuart Kettlewell, and uh, you were kind enough to write some pieces for the Emirates Courier, the Russia Journal, the North Star as well uh, this week. Stuart came across really well. So go and find out uh, his story for yourselves. Go and buy a copy. It's a good read. Well done, Hendo. <laughs> if we do say so ourselves. That chat with Stuart was put up on, well, yesterday. Only. It's only 24 hours ago. I'm totally losing track of time already. Um, where you can find that right under this one, really. It, it was put up as a podcast, as a special edition of Balls and Whistles. On occasion, we will do special bonus episodes like that, where we'll talk about one topic or talk to one person and just go a bit more in depth than we normally would on a weekly sort of roundup show like we do here. Um, so if you haven't already listened to that, go and check it out. As Will says, buy a paper, read what he said. I think he spoke really well and with a lot of class, considering the circumstances. He only got sacked a month ago. Yeah, the, the one bit that really stood out to me, and it's quite topical as well this week, I suppose, was how um, hours after being relieved of his, of his position, Celtic manager Neil Lennon gave him a call mm -hmm. and uh, offered him some reassurance. Um, I thought it was, you know, Neil Lennon's not had the best rap this week, but uh, I thought it was a decent gesture for the man. Again, it was a touch of class, wasn't it? It was a real touch of class. And I think uh, that was the word uh, Stuart actually used. Yeah. Uh, 11 o'clock at night. I don't know. I might have been in my bed <laughs> if you phoned me, but I still would have appreciated the call at that time. Was that 11 o'clock? Yeah, I think so. I think that's what he said. Find out for yourself. Listen to the podcast. It's a, it's a great listen. Couldn't have said it better myself. But for the time being then, I think that wraps us up. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back next Friday with another new episode of Balls and Whistles. Well, I hope you've enjoyed chatting about this because we've just spent the week writing about all these things. Um, as you would usually say, buy a paper and we'll see you next time. Thanks, folks. Bye.